All right, welcome back to the big program. Just confirmed Ricky Walters will guess with us, the former double-year and now offensive coordinator with the Alberta Golden Bears will guess with us at 9.40. But right now, top of the hour, Tim Ellis, Canadian Finals Rodeo going on in Red Deer before things zip up to Edmonton next year. And that was announced uh, oh, about 10 days ago or so. But uh, Tim Ellis down in Red Deer covering the event. Tim, good morning. How's it going down in Red Deer? Good, good. Uh, just sitting, uh, sitting in my uh, hotel room here at the Suites in Red Deer. They've been very good hosts and uh, oh, getting great. ready for round three tonight. Yeah, third go around tonight. I don't know where to start. I mean, in uh, bull riding, let's go from the back to the front. Okay. Let's go to the back. And I mean, we've seen a pretty good uh, showing so far from a young cowboy from Camrose, Coy Robbins. What have you seen from Coy Robbins so far from Camrose in bull riding? Well, Coy's uh, had a tough start to the, the Canadian final so far. What a season he had, though. He was a uh, season leader, came in number one. He's still number one in the Canadian standing. So it, bull riding is uh, bull riding sometimes is tough to make a move at the Canadian finals. But uh, Edgar Durazzo, the 2019 champion, has, mm-hmm. uh, has done that. He's the only guy that's that's ridden both so far. So he's uh, he's about $7,000 back at Coy. But uh, Coy Robbins is one of the most uh, focused uh intellectual bull riders i think going down the trail so he i'm sure he's going to figure things out and i think this is going to be quite a race uh, right down to the end tim ellis covering the cfr and red deers our guest on sports 1440 what have you made a tie down roping one of my favorite events you know there's a lot of a lot of cowboys that are so skilled in this event but what have you made so far in that event in tie down roping I think the thing, uh, other than that, it's been the, the two brothers, uh, the Smith brothers of Wimborne, that, that have won each of the rounds. Jason on night one and Shane on night two is now taking over the, the Canadian standings lead. Mm-hmm. But I think the big thing in the roping is just how tight it is uh, between first and what eight. There's like sixteen thousand dollars, and the the aggregate winner gets paid fourteen thousand and over nine thousand for a round. So that can be made up pretty quick. So I think it's just the the not very much difference and that's just because these guys are are so good at at what they do and it you know it might come down to horsepower might come down to some some bad luck uh, maybe a calf getting up before that six Mm -hmm. seconds and something like that is probably going to decide it but i was over yesterday they had the uh canadian championship dummy roping where they have the kids uh, (laughs) throw around the the uh the the steer the, the plastic steer they had age groups, what, three different age groups, under six throwing, and these kids were unbelievable. They kept backing them up till they missed. And so they, <laughs> these kids grow up with a rope in their yeah. hand, and by the time they get to the, the pros, they just rope so well. It's it's amazing to, to watch. What's Jason Smith, the Shane Smith, what's the, the brothers? I mean, these guys have been at it, again, as you mentioned, for quite a while and putting on a good show, I assume. Yeah, for sure. And they got another brother, Blair Smith, down in Wimborne. Their, their father's Garnet Smith, who was a, a pro cowboy for many times and a teacher. And uh, so they, they, well, there's two of those kids that, that growing up with a rope and they've had a dad teaching them. And, uh, you know, they've, they've each won high school mm-hmm. championships. And so they, right from, from day one, these guys have had a trajectory to where they are. And they're only in, what, 22 and 25 years old. So they've got, uh, they've got some good careers ahead of them. Tim Ellis, uh, CFCW, CFR reporter down in Red Deer as we're ready for go-round number three this evening. And the Duke of Delbert's going to join you down there, Tim. So look out Ooh, for, for the Duke. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute runaway train uh, for the Duke <laughs> in Red Deer tonight. In, uh, in Saddle Bronc, Tim, 
You know, when I was working at Global, we had we did so many. We would focus on the novice guys for our athletes of the week back in the day, and we did mm-hmm. we did Zeke Thurston, and then we continued on following Zeke as he continued on in, in his great career. We did Logan Hay uh, as well because of the great bloodlines with the with the Hayes and Wildwood and stuff. It's a, yeah. can you describe what's going on in Saddlebronk? Uh, Logan Hay's off to a good start. C- CFR, what's going on with Zeke here? Well, it was like, um, I don't know how to describe it <laughs> in round one because, oh my gosh, Zeke Thurston bucked off. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. can kind of collectively tell the crowds going, what the heck is going yeah. on? Because it was only the second time in Red Deer since it came in 2018 that Zeke Thurston has bucked off at the mm-hmm. CFR. He, he's got a check, I think, what did I figure out? Uh, 21 of 24 rounds, he picked up a check in coming into the CFR. He'd ridden 22 of 24 horses. He only got two no scores, and so it was like uh, it was like the world was ending. Now, in Zeke Thurston's mind, it had, he says, "You know, I, it's going to happen again. I've been bucked off before." <laughs> and then he comes back last night and throws up at 87 and a half, wins the round, and, and life is back to normal. And he's number one in the Canadian standings and could become the first ever cowboy to win four consecutive Canadian Saddle Bronc championships. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Hay bloodline. Rod Hay is one of the other two, along with. Kenny McLean to do that, but Rod did it, uh, what, 30 years ago, 92 to 94, I think. So, And, and Logan and, and Dawson, hey, who didn't make it, yeah. he was one rodeo short up here. Uh, and, and just because of travel and trying to make the national finals rodeo, he didn't get to his required 15 rodeos he need to qualify for the CFR. So he missed it. He would have been in there. But these two kids, while we talked about the roping growing up with a rope in their hand, these two kids grew up watching their dad, and and they've got another younger brother too that that's coming up the same path. So it's a it's a bronc riding family. But uh-huh. but Zeke Thurston, he's uh, he's balancing. You know, he's just a new dad for the third time, and mm-hmm. uh, balancing a big ranch down there near Big Valley, building a new house, and and trying to ride bronc as well. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, he yeah he 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 and and Rod Hay when when. Zeke's career is done whenever that might be, and he might win 8-2. He might pass Rod Hay and win 9. Who knows? But they're going to be so closely linked in what their career did over the past uh, number of years in their career that uh, it's, it's going to be a good uh, a good path for, for Zeke Thurston for sure. Tim Ellis is our guest on Sports 1440 covering the CFR down in Red Deer. What have you made of team roping? And another, you know, this is an event where you know, so much skill has to go into this header and heel. How does it feel? But man, oh man, what have you seen so far from team roping, Tim? Well, it, that was kind of the, the theme last night was like a, a like a bounce back night. And we talked about Zeke Thurston bucking off, coming back, winning the round. And, and these young Graham brothers are the Wainwright, Dawson and Dylan. That mm-hmm. They've been the, uh, the season leaders in Canadian Pro Rodeo for four consecutive years. And they came in again as number one and, and last night, or night number one, that is uh, fourteen and three, took a couple of penalties and were out of it. And then last night, bounced back and won the round of the three and nine, which uh, in team roping uh, very, very quick. And they're back to number one. And the, what the team roping has done and evolved over the years is just the uh, the young kids. I mean, uh, you know, you go back to the the old set of uh, guys like Rocky Dallin and Travis mm-hmm. Galay and those guys that won a number of championships. But now we got these young kids that just throw like they, they don't care if they miss, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's aggregate money, but they, they don't care if they miss just like the Grahams did. If they, if they get a big penalty night one, so what we'll come out and we'll throw as fast as we can the next night. And that's, that's how team roping has changed. And I think that's what makes it fun and, and appealing to the, 
to the younger group and maybe the fans too. I mean, last night we went, uh, I think we went seven straight catches and that's, hmm. that's rare in team roping, but it happened last night and who knows, we might even get all 10 and they're going to be quick and they, we're going to see some more threes down before the, before the week is done here, I'm sure. CFCW is Tim Ellis covering the CFR down in Red Deer for us uh, in steer wrestling and the Bulldoggers. Again, these guys are so talented and you got to have the right horse. You got to have the strength to, to get these big steers down. What have you seen in, in, in steer wrestling so far? Well, so far it's been the the Scott Gintzner show. I mean, he's won three Canadian titles. He's a defending champion. He's placed in both rounds, split the round last night. Three nines been popular. There was three of them in night number one, two last night that, that's won the round. They'll probably get quicker as we go. And this is another event that that's so close. And like the the tie down roping, so many variables in this. Like you know, you got the hazer on the other side. You got uh, the steer depending on the draw. I mean, last night we saw one that. Uh, I think Morgan Grant went, well, he took a no time, but he was over 40 seconds. It, it, he just could not get it down. And then you, you draw the next one that everybody wants because it goes down quickly. So it, it's a drawing game in this steer wrestling because the horsepower is so good. Mm-hmm. There's two horses down here. Uh, Curtis Cassidy, who didn't make the CFR for the first time since 1978 because of an injury, but his horse, Tyson, has been uh, awarded uh, awards across the country in North America for the last number of years. And another horse they call Eddie that's owned by Tanner Milan mm-hmm. who qualified, but he's injured. So both of these guys are hazing there, but they're letting the other guys use their horses. So eight out of the 12 are either using Tyson or Eddie, so four each. So these, these horses are getting a workout. So it's a, that's kind of a, a fun story within a story to watch down here. Boy, it must be weird not to see Tanner Milan or Curtis Cassidy in the bulldogging. It's strange, especially for me. I mean, Curtis Cassidy has been the guy. And, mm-hmm. and again, he's one of those guys when his career ends, he's a... I guess in hockey terms, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. He's, he's headed there no matter what. But yeah, first time since 1978, he, he broke his wrist basically in, in Strathmore and uh, still not quite right. I think he had to have a second surgery, and uh, so, so he missed it. And his brother Cody, who's won six Canadian championships, mm-hmm. he got in because Tanner Milan was hurt. He tore a pec muscle early in the summer, couldn't come back. He got in, which continues a streak of at least of a Cassidy at the CFR. Mm-hmm. And I think the last time that didn't happen was, uh, oh boy, I, I don't even know, 1996 or something like that. It's in the, their dad, Greg, who won yes. four Canadian championships. So, so that kept the streak going of a Cassidy at the CFR, but it, it just goes to show that at some point, some year, there's, there's not going to be a Cassidy at the CFR, and it's going to be very strange for an old guy like me. Yeah, well, you know, Tim, when we used to do the old Boston pizza shows at ITV and uh, Global on the Thursday nights during the CFR, um, Curtis, yeah. yeah, Curtis, Cody, and Greg came in one night after uh, the go-around because, you know, we had them on, on the air and doing some interviews, and then we, of course, they get fed and watered. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're talking three big Cassidy boys. I mean, they were bringing the meat lovers' pizzas out left and right there at Boston Pizza. I remember that. It was lots of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were the first, uh, what, first father and, and son uh, trio to qualify. I think that was uh, maybe 2003 or something like that. And, oh. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. Ian, uh, bear back as we uh, speak with Tim Ellis, uh, CFCW, uh, reporter down at the CFR. We had Cody Lamb in the studio about, oh, three, four weeks ago in uh, the, the Sports 1440 studios, Tim. And how's he doing? The, the cowboy out of Sherwood Park, how's he doing so far in Bearback? Well, unfortunately, he hasn't got a check yet. He's had a couple of tough draws. He's been 81 and a half both nights, but... Uh, 
that might win a rodeo somewhere mm-hmm. during the regular season, but down here at the CFR, that that doesn't get you a check. Uh, actually, I, I guess he split fifth last night, so he got uh, he got about three hundred bucks for that. So that's that's all he's won. But it's to me, it's been his two draws. They've mm-hmm. just not been the horses where he can really show off uh, his season-leading stuff. So I think if he uh, if he gets a good draw, he's going to be right back in there. And what's he got? Uh, well, he's got a good one tonight. Fired up from Big Stone Rodeo, I see okay. here. So that's. Uh, that might get him fired up. That that's a that's a very good horse if he can handle that. But he's, I mean, he's got Clint Lay ahead of him and Oren Larson, the yeah. last two uh, champions that have won in Red Deer here. So it's it's going to be very tight down the road. But he's he's still well in the mix. I mean, he had so much money one coming in, and uh, so I expect this to be a, a three man race. And I don't know which one's going to come out on top. But I think once once Cody gets the draw, and it might be tonight, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's going to bounce back. Maybe because, you know, CFR has been out of Edmonton for the last couple of years. Oren Larson is a cowboy that I don't know a whole lot about, haven't seen him in, in person. So can you just tell our listeners about what kind of bareback rider Oren Larson is? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's uh, he's heading to the, the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, I believe, for his eighth or ninth mm-hmm. consecutive year. Uh, and and he won the Canadian Championship here in 2019. He's originally from... Uh, Manitoba, English Manitoba, and he still keeps that address. So we uh, we still get to call him a Canadian when he qualifies for the NFR, which is which is good on the media side. But he lives well. Actually, he just moved to Oklahoma. Okay. He was down in Nebraska for a number of years. He just bought a new place in Oklahoma, so he's been moving and stuff like that for the last month. But he uh, went to college, Panhandle State University down there, which is a very recognizable college for for cowboys and great teachers. And he came out of there, went to the. Uh, Canadian National College Finals Rodeo won that, I believe, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he came out after that and and is one of the most solid bareback riders in North America and, you know, always in the world standings. And uh, just, uh, just a great guy, does a lot of traveling because he gets up here to Canada. I think he was born around Strathmore, actually, so he's got a lot of family here in Alberta, too, but he's... Uh, He's one of the good ones, and he'll be there come Sunday in the mix uh, for a championship for sure. Yeah, Tim Ellis, uh, one last one for you for ladies barrel racing. We leave the ladies the best for last. Uh, Lynette Broadway's had a fabulous season. Uh, can you mind uh, maybe just touch on exactly what she's shown so far at CFR? Yeah, well, she picked up a third place check night one. Didn't uh, get any money last night, but she's uh, she's got about a sixteen thousand dollar lead so mm-hmm. far. She was up to I think twenty three thousand ahead of everybody after night number one. Uh, her and her horse Cowboy have just had a, a phenomenal season. And she, the thing about her is she didn't win like the big rodeos. She didn't win the Pinocchio Stampede or Wainwright or any mm-hmm. of those real big ones. She just collected two thousand dollars almost everywhere, and then and where's the the number one back number here at the CFR, which is uh, always uh, quite the thing to do, quite the prestigious thing to wear number one. So she's had a little tough luck last night, but she'll be solid all the way through. But this uh, this young girl by the name of Blake Molly mm-hmm. and uh, Chuck Wagon fans yeah. will uh, recognize good that golly, name. good golly, Chris Molly, right? You you got it. Yeah. Hey, you've listened to Les McIntyre. Oh, See, there you go. Love the yeah, Chucks. The, uh, <laughs> the daughter of uh, Chris Molly from Shavin Blake. She's uh, she's a CFR rookie. She won go round one. She played second last night. And 
All of a sudden, she's won $16,000 already for a teenager at the, at the Canadian <laughs> Finals Rodeo, and she's second. She's leading the aggregate. She She's the story right now. So uh, Lynette is going to have to hold the, this young kid off if she wants to win the championship. So that's, uh, that's going to be a fun race. And then Taylor Manning, the defending champion, wins the round last night, and she's back in the mix. So, so Lynette's got a big lead, but I tell you, these, uh, these kids are coming for her. Well, nobody knows the CFR and rodeo like you do, Tim. Uh, Lancer the Rancher even texts in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Tim Ellis is a beauty. Thanks for chatting, rodeo. Tim, thanks for doing this with us. And hey, just one last one for you. What do you do? You, you with everything coming here next next year with the CFR coming here next year. Yeah. Will you miss the intimacy of you know uh, Red Deer? You know the building, a little bit smaller. Will you miss that once we get into Rogers Place next year? You know what? I, I will. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a farm kid. I mean, I, I grew up in small town Alberta, and that's that's kind of my thing, and that's that's what I love, and that's what I liked about the. The move to Red Deer, selfishly, I guess, is because it is small. I just I mentioned in the hotel room here, the suites, Red Deer would treat us like gold. And this is pretty much a cowboy hotel. We got all the CPRA officials and pickup men and everybody down here. The hotel is full. And you, know, you wake up and run down the hall and walk down the hallways and say hi to, to everybody that's there. So I think it's going to miss a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just moving downtown, you're, you're going to, and it, it's going to be, like you say, a bigger building. We've got to know the, the people here at the Western and Red Deer, and they treat us very good here, which I'm sure Explore Edmonton Rogers Place will do when we get up there next year for sure. But it's uh, you're exactly right, and I think a lot of the, the, the people will miss that as well. But, uh, again, it, the, the bottom line comes down to it. It's nice, it's it's intimate, it's small, but it's, yeah. it's too small. And just, I, I think the... The thing was that there's not a lot of room for growth. We pretty much outgrew this place, and, and whether that's a, a good thing, it should be going down, you know, in the future, but just kind of outgrowing it. But, uh, yeah, I, we, we will miss this, but, uh, you know, I, I know Edmonton will be great hosts, and Explore Edmonton will be, and so it's uh, it, I think it's going to be fun to get up there next year, but, yeah, we definitely will miss Red Deer, and that's kind of been the theme mm-hmm. of this week, you know, started at the yeah. Night of Champions on Tuesday, very glowing remarks about Red Deer and that, and uh, come Sunday, it's going to be very interesting to see what the speeches are and what the interviews are like, you know, leaving one place and going to the next. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Well, if you run into the uh, Duke of Dulburn at the Quinton Blair and the CFL All-Star <laughs> Band at the uh, Prairie Pavilion tonight, can, uh, can you buy him a beer? Sure, I can. Uh, I can do that. I, I'm sure he'll be there after our broadcast and 8:40 yeah. CFCW ends. I, I would assume, probably. Oh, tell him you... to stay away from. Tell him to stay away from these young barrel races. I know they got lots of money, <laughs> but they got to focus. Okay, Duke. You, I mean, you got Tim on the line. You got something to chime in here. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Tim. As always, enjoy your coverage of the rodeo scene all summer long, and uh, hopefully, I'll run into you uh, tonight throughout the uh, the course of the rodeo, and yeah, maybe at the cabaret afterwards. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate your time. You bet. No problem. Yeah, that's Tim Ellis, uh, CFCW, as night number three of the Canadian Finals Rodeo gets underway in Red Deer, and the Duke is going to be there deep in action tonight. Appreciate it, Duke. Uh, when we come back, we'll have some open time. We'll get to Sam Gagne's comments from last night. At 9.40, Ricky Walters, offensive coordinator for the Alberta Golden Bears, will guest with us. Uh, stay with us. A whole bunch more coming up on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh. 
Oh, what would a Friday be without Dexies? The, the request from Dexies Midnight Runners, their one and only hit, their one and only song. They didn't do another one. Just wanted to mention that Eddie Steele on Fridays now brought to you by Bonton Bakery. And Eddie was on his way over there to pick up some goodies after his part of the show. Uh, did you know that Bonton Bakery's long fermentation sourdough breads, not only delicious, but they're also good for digestion and are a diabetes-friendly alternative. You can check out their full line of bread in-store or online at bonton.ca. I might have to slide down there. Those, the cheese, the monkey cheese bread things that we had that they brought in studio that one day? Those were so good. Yeah. I I, oh. you, I know you and Eddie got most of the cheese ones down before I could even <laughs> sniff it, but I picked away at the uh, cinnamon one throughout right. the rest of the morning before I indulged in that steak. Oh. And then I had a little more cinnamon for dessert afterwards, a cinnamon monkey bread. Yeah, that was so good. But that sourdough, I had never had sourdough bread in my life, Kevin, mm-hmm. until uh, that was like a big thing during the pandemic was that people are making their own sourdough and all this stuff. And a friend of mine, um, once things kind of started to open back up when you're allowed to have some gatherings, he made some, brought it to this like party mm-hmm. we were having, and he's like, "This was my new thing. I make sourdough bread, and it was unbelievable. You like drizzle a little like uh, olive oil and stuff on there, whatever. I couldn't believe it. So I might have to go get some from Bonton. Laura Baker, the baker, uh, my wife made it for well all every day for the two years of COVID, <laughs> and I turned into a big, larger man. I think no, not really, but. The starter is the thing, right? You have to have that starter. It's just active, active yeast that you keep throwing into what you're making. So, yeah, let's head down to Bonton, Duke. You know, why don't you just grab a couple of loaves, you throw it in the truck for CFR. I'll be a That's hit. all you need. I'll be a hit at the uh, the couple beers we're going to have beforehand uh, at Buddy's house. I'll, Actually, I'll just come in with some pregame snacks, some I have sourdough a, bread. I have a little advice for you, Duke. While you're there, buy a bag of hot dog buns because you're ne- going to need it for a pillow tonight to sleep on. As we go back 25 years to the concert at stage 13 with Nickelback. In the uh, the box uh, the box of the truck. I got the tonal cover on there, so I'll just fold that down and uh, sleep in darkness and probably pretty cold. Text coming in to one 1440 Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for doing uh, this with Tim. As a former CFR contestant back in 2014, born and raised in the Edmonton area, listening to sports radio religiously, I've often wondered when our sport could get some mainstream media coverage. We appreciate it very much. Uh, thanks for that text. Tons of texts coming in uh, regarding Sam Gagne's performance last night that we got earlier in the show and Sam of course came up with a very well yeoman's like work effort because he had a first period where I would say if you asked him he struggled a little bit he was trying to get his feet under him there was a shift where Sam iced the puck in the first period had to come back in the Oilers offensive uh, defensive zone obviously the Oilers iced the puck not once but two more times and Sam was on the ice for all of that, fortunately for the Oilers, they were able to clear the zone, get a change, and take it from there. Sam Gagne tried to drag a lot of his teammates into the fight last night, finished with the two goals, of course, ended up playing 13 minutes, was a plus two, was four and one, I believe, in the faceoff dot, so he took some critical draws. I think that was uh, at the end of the second period. The Oilers had a power play. Gagne had an opportunity to, and he wasn't trying to score on this on this power play. Uh, he had a slap shot from the far side, quick save by Wedgwood. Rebound popped out to Ryan McLeod, and Wedgwood made the save there. That was probably the best 
chance that Ryan McLeod's had this year. Following the game, Sam Gagne had this to say to the local media in the Oilers dressing room. Do you feel like that one was kind of there for you guys and got away? Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, a couple mistakes um, get magnified, end up in your net. Um, I thought for the most part, um, you know, we drove play. It's just uh, a matter of, um, you know, just having that intensity throughout the game to, to bear down on, on certain things that happen. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot to like too, uh, a lot to build off of, and we just got to keep pushing forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, turn pucks over, um, you know, track properly, all those different things. Uh, you know, we talked before the game, that's a team that scores off the rush, and they made us pay on that. Um, you know, but like I said, I thought we carried the flow of play. There's a lot to like. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, you, you got to keep trying to battle through it. Um, it's uh, never comes easy in this league, so um, we're going to come back uh, tomorrow and get to work and keep trying to build our game. So as somebody, <clears throat> somebody who kind of just got here, what's, do you have, like, maybe a fresh perspective? What's the, what's the mood like in the room from the guys? Yeah, I mean, I just think um, it's, it's obviously not the start anybody wanted. Um, there's been a lot of expectations on this group and you know when it doesn't go exactly as you planned um, I, I think it's hard to see uh, you know the kind of the positivity throughout games um, you kind of wait for bad things to happen and when they do it's you know it kind of has a snowball effect so I think it's just a matter of uh, finding that joy again finding um, you know the, the the urgency to to make sure we're getting things done correctly and you know if if it doesn't go exactly our way just pushing through it and um enjoying the process of it i mean it's a great opportunity for us uh, ahead of us to climb the standings and we're gonna keep pushing forward <clears throat> awfully excited to get those goals so. yeah i mean um it's uh I, I thought, like I said, I, I thought you know we were still in that game, and uh, you want to make a big play and score a goal to try and uh, help us rally. And I think you know we had a lot of chances. Uh, we created a lot. Um, we had a lot of looks with the goalie pulled, and just couldn't find a way to get the equalizer. But there was a lot to like, and um, you know we have to make sure we're looking at positives too, and and uh, you know building those into our game. That's Oilers forward Sam Gagne addressing the media last night. And text coming in to one 401 Some fresher ones. There was a whole one, whole bunch back before the uh, mic problems. That I don't know, they were about an hour ago. And then we had about 80 texts that said the mic was off. I think that was my fault, Duke, anyway. We'll see. I'll just take, you know what? I'll take the blame for it, Duke. I'm going to take the blame. It was my fault. On the mic problems. That's a character guy. Somebody you need in the room willing to own up to mistakes. The, There's no question about it. It was my fault. The Oilers, I think, could use a few more guys like you in the room right now, Kevin. Some accountability. <laughs> Rockford chimes in. Gagne, 34 years old, coming off hip surgery, was our best player last night. And can we stop saying Phil Kessel is too old and too slow to help this team? iMac chimes in. I'll toss you something to chew on. The guy that hasn't been coached by this team plays the hardest and scores twice. 
That's proof of how bad this team is coached. I love Sam, but scoring twice is the worst thing that could have happened for everyone else but him. Stars were on a back-to-back coming from IMAC. Stars were on a back-to-back and third game in four nights. As we said off the top of the show, they left Alberta with Bella Clavazon. Wednesday night in Calgary, last night in Edmonton, close to 100 shots. I don't even know what the possession time would be by both teams, but it was way ahead of what the Oilers and the Flames, way ahead of what Dallas portrayed and what Dallas offered up in their two games. They are going home uh, to Dallas going, we got out of Alberta with two wins. And I mean, they've only got one loss in the year, Dallas, right now. Stars are going well. Everyone's going well. When you look at the standings, I mean, Vegas is going well. Vegas wins last night, 5-2 over the Jets. Vancouver pounds San Jose 10-1. L.A. wins 3-2. All the teams in the West are winning, except for the Oilers right now. Even the Ducks. The Ducks won? A team that many people pegging to finish uh, last in the division or at least be battling for it with the Sharks, who are looking certainly like the worst team in probably the entire NHL. Ducks have won five in a row. Like, granted, they have not played the Oilers <laughs> yet, but you would kind of... They're Edmonton, six and four. Edmonton has had chances against some teams that they should handily beat. Uh, you talk about their trip out to Philly. Uh, that's a game that you really hope your team can win. Philly's been surprising this year, but they're still not a team that should be on the same uh, playing field as the Oilers at this stage. And you talk about Dallas, like, did they quote-unquote, deserve to win either of these last two games against Calgary and Edmonton. I, I thought both the Flames and Oilers were the better teams for Very most far. of the game. Yeah. But that's what good teams and contending teams do is you find ways to win games. The Stars were bagged in the third period last night. You could see it when the Oilers would get sustained zone pressure, but the ability to finish off your chances when you have them is what plagued the Oilers last night, whether it be Leon uh, misfiring on that chance on the side of the net, guys not named Sam Gagne uh, having the nose for the puck in the crease on loose uh, loose rebounds and whatnot. It, it's frustrating to watch, but I think there are still some positive signs, at least the Oilers are starting to move in the right direction because they carried the play for the majority of the game. It was just those big mistakes that cost them. What if I told you this, Duke? What if I told you three weeks into the season, not even really three weeks into the season, just almost, I guess, or right around that mark, the Oilers right now, at this point moving forward, and some critical games coming up right now, are 16 points back of first place in the Pacific Division. 16! That, the, when you said first place, I find that believable because Vegas is off to a torrid start. They're 10-0-1 for goodness mm-hmm. sake, but... And so I think the Oilers' dreams of, you know, winning the division and having that home uh, ice advantage throughout the entirety of a uh, run through the Western Conference in the playoffs, that seems to have already passed us by. Right now, the focus is more so on actually getting yourself into a playoff spot because the the data shows us that teams that are in the playoffs by uh, American Thanksgiving make the playoffs 80% of the time. And that is coming up only a few weeks away now. And the Oilers are on the outside looking in. So uh, you, you got to win games and string a couple together. And uh, by putting yourself in that position by uh, Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, you're setting yourself up for success. But it's if they're not there by that point, even if they're kind of flirting with it, it's not out of the realm of no. possibility. But like I said, the numbers show us that uh, that puts you in the best spot. 
I'll even throw this one at you, Duke, as well. When I interviewed Matthias Ekholm in the one-on-one earlier in the week, and I asked him, Vancouver's winning, LA's winning. He kind of said, well, it's too early to look at the standings. That's That was his answer. It's too early, it's too early. Right now, there are five teams the Oilers have to jump over just to get into a wild card spot. Not We're not even talking in the Pacific Division to get to a wild card spot. Tomorrow afternoon at Footfield, it's going to be a ring-a-ding-dong dandy, as Ed Whalen would say, as the Alberta Golden Bears host the Saskatchewan Huskies Canada West playoff football for the first time in a long time. We'll check in with... Offensive coordinator, Ricky Walters of the Alberta and Golden Bears and former double ear when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, let's welcome in Rick Walters as we go in the community for United Sport and Cycle. A family-owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona for over 95 years as uh, we welcome in uh, offensive coordinator Rick Walters from the Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, morning, our dub. You rock it, ready to rock and roll for tomorrow? I am. I am. I am. I am. Uh, excited for it. Excited for the opportunity. So uh, thanks for having me on today. Well, thanks for coming on, uh, Ricky. Last I saw you, you were, man, you were dressed to the nines. It was at uh, Terry Vaughn's little do in the <laughs> alumni room. You were the sharpest dressed man there. Um, yes, without question, I was. Yes, you're correct. In <laughs> yes, that you sense. were. Yeah, absolutely. Man. 100%. Yeah, as I've always uh, told absolutely. you, as I've always told you, R Dub, if you can't be the best, look the best. Uh, absolutely. Well, you know what? That was, and that was a great event. It so was, was kind of cool that the Elks could, uh, could kind of recognize uh, the O3 team and obviously Terry and all the contributions that, that he had to, uh, to that team and the organization. So it was, uh, it was a great kind of weekend and uh, a neat opportunity to get back and see some old friends and, and hang out again. So that was cool. It had to have been fun for you, Ricky, to see all those old, old guys like, you know, Ricky Ray and Terry Vaughn that you don't see very often. For sure. For sure. Because it's, uh, everybody knows it's kind of like, um, you know, buddies that you have is you don't have to see them every day. And lots of times you don't, but uh, when you reconnect, it's like you, you know, it's like you never left each other mm-hmm. and, and the stories come back, flying back and, and old times kind of uh, uh, kind of become new again. So it's uh, those are those are fun fun moments for sure. University of Alberta Golden Bears football offensive coordinator Rick Walters is our guest on Sports fourteen forty. So Rick, big one tomorrow. Obviously, third time that you've played Saskatchewan this year. Maybe the only thing that we can say for sure for tomorrow's game is that it's going to be a close one because you beat them twice previously twenty six twenty two, and then twenty three twenty. I would imagine that's what your team is expecting tomorrow to be in a very tough, close battle. Yeah, this this is um, this is that time of year, playoff time of year. Uh, I know one of the things that we've had throughout the years, we've had what I would think is the probably the hardest schedule in Canada to get through. Canada West is a no. tough, tough division, and, and we've had a ton of top ten teams that we've played all year. Um, from UBC to U of S to Manitoba to Regina, they're all I think they're all um, ranked in the top ten when we were playing them. So we, we've kind of been, uh, I hope, I think, uh, kind of playoff tested, and, and so we expect another really, really good game. Uh, U of S has, has kind of been the class of of Can West for the last uh, five, six years, and so um, you know they come with lots of tradition and lots of guys who. Have, 
kind of battle tested. So it'll be um, it'll be a fun opportunity to to see to see how far we've grown as a, as a team and and as a program. So uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be cool. Bears OC Rick Walters with us on Sports fourteen forty. The Huskies have the best defense in the conference, averaging just 18.6 points per game. How do you as an offense, and you did it a couple times already without giving any secrets for tomorrow's game, how do you kind of break through on that Saskatchewan D? Uh, you know what? Um, uh, it's funny because since I've been coaching, I realized my life turns into a bunch of big cliches. <laughs> and football kind of is that, is that as well. Like you for us to be successful, like most teams, you got to be good on first down, and you want to get into second and mid or second and short. Uh, if you spend too much time in second and long, then it uh, it creates a lot of lot of havoc on on your team. Uh, like we still have a fairly young quarterback, and and uh, I think you know he went through his tenth start or something like that this year. Um, and so you try and get into second and manageable, so you're not uh, behind the sticks. So you, you want to stay on schedule, um, which means you're you're, you're just going to have to be successful on first first down. And then uh, I guess the big one, like everybody, if if you can score touchdowns instead of field goals, then it, it makes when you get those opportunities, then uh, then it makes it makes life a little bit easier that way. Rick Walters with us on Sports 1440 Bears offensive coordinator. Rick, you got a good, uh, really good weapon in the backfield with Matthew Peterson. I was at the game on last Saturday against UBC. You also brought in Jonathan Rosary a lot of bit and flanked him out a bit left and right. So, how, can you just speak to the, you know, the luxury you have with a couple of very, you know, explosive backs that can make plays after they grab the ball, whether it be a reception or a handoff. Yeah, no, those guys are special for sure. Those guys are special in what they do. Um, they remind me a lot of, um, and we've kind of used them a little bit. How Winnipeg uh, uses their offense with uh, Oliveris and and Dembski, how they kind of move them in and out of the backfield. And um, Rosie or Jonathan was a tailback uh, for a lot of years in high school and his first few years at uh, with U of A, and so he has a lot of tailback qualities. And so we use use them like that. So. Um, it makes a little bit of a headache on on defenses when you can put people in and out of the backfield and, and stuff like that. So uh, we try to maximize what uh, what they do well, and um, and, and so it, it kind of keeps defenses off balance a little bit. It was a chilly one on Saturday, Rick. A little bit better weather tomorrow. Will that help with play calling? With as you say, a young quarterback in Eli Hetlinger. Uh, I think so. I, I think so. It's, it's you know you, you never know um, that was a that was a big game last week uh, in terms of um, uh, just the battle for first place obviously we finished tied for first and, and they ended up with the uh, finishing first because of the uh, just uh, wins wins against each other mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think it's more opportunities more opportunities you can put young people in in, in to have um, to feel what that pressure feels like and, and to be in those kind of uh, environments and, and when every pass matters every play matters and uh from all the little things that you do leading up to it and, until game day so i think the more opportunities that um that not only eli but all of our all of our guys get into uh the more battle tested and the more mm-hmm. that they'll kind of feel what what that anxiety and what that pressure feels like so um like i said i'm enjoying i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to the fact that uh 
Uh, it's going to be a, a tall task to beat somebody for the third time yeah. uh, in one year, especially somebody with, with that uh, kind of pedigree and, and ilk. But uh, I think we're up for it, up for the task, and um, I'm excited to see how, how that all kinds of manifests tomorrow. Golden Bears offensive coordinator Rick Walters is with us in Sports 1440 and being a former longtime CFL receiver. Rick, can you just kind of comment on your receiving core as a whole, what you like about the group that you have and who they are and who they can be? Uh, yeah, good group of guys. Uh, strong, really strong. Like they were, uh, Chris did a, Coach Morris did a great job of uh, – uh, during the recruiting process of um, trying to get um, some really skilled receivers, so so skilled, in fact, uh, across the board that we really don't focus on any one individual, uh, which sometimes it makes uh, receivers at the best of times are a little bit uh, a little bit unique and and sometimes needy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm speaking from experience <laughs> on that. Uh, no. so, yeah, I know, I know, shocking. Uh, so they all they all want the ball. They they all want to contribute, and, and they all want to touch the ball. And uh, one of the things that with 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 the fact that we could run the ball so well this year that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of passes that were being thrown around. There was a few, but um, but not like maybe they they had expected. So uh, the big thing with that is 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 just understanding from a receiver standpoint in, in the fact that. Uh, uh, whatever amount that you get the ball or opportunities you get, you have to make sure that those are uh, that those do you take advantage of those because you might only get three or four passes a game that that uh, as an individual, but you got to make sure you make sure that those three or four opportunities count. And so, uh, super strong group though, strong group uh, of guys, and and I'm looking forward to to again to to them feeling the anxiety of of playoff football and. Uh, and who's going to step up and make yeah. make that big play? We, we're always talking about fifty fifty balls, um, where whether it's man on man, you want to make sure that you turn that fifty fifty into eighty twenty. Um, and so it's going to be an opportunity for for somebody, hopefully all of them, to step up and and, and shine shine tomorrow. Rick Walters with us on Sports fourteen forty. It's been a long time since the Golden Bears played a home playoff game, two thousand and five was the last time, way before your time. What is it like and what will it be like, do you think, just as an atmosphere for the university, for the alumni, for fans to witness a first home game in 18 years? Well, I, I hope it's going to be fun. I hope it's going to be rocking and that, that lots of people will be there. I kind of expect that way. Uh, you know that U of S travels well. Um, all of Saskatchewan always travels well, so they're going they're going to have uh, you know all the watermelons and stuff like that um, <laughs> from the province will be sold out, and so they'll probably take them all here. Uh, so they'll travel, and I'm hoping that uh, U of A alumni, all of the all of the guys from uh, 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 recent past and past past, show up, and, and and they overpower their crowd as well. Uh, it's exciting that that. Um, that that kind of football that currently I guess we are the only post-secondary football being played right now so uh you hope that you get support from from the whole city yeah. uh from northern Alberta really uh and that um there'll be tailgates happening yeah. uh in the parking lots and I know alumni has been doing that and a lot of supporters for for throughout the se- throughout the season so you know that'll be great uh, leading up to the game and and during the game you just hope that 
the stands are packed and, and that um, that everybody enjoys a, what will be a, a great game. Everyone sure hopes it's going to be a great game, great result. Just a couple more for you, Rick. Yeah. How has this coaching journey for you, what's it been like for you after coming out of playing in the CFL for so many years and then, you know, doing high school and clinics and and junior and, and now you're at the university level? What do you get out of it trying to, I guess, mentor and shape these young men, in it, not only football players, but into, you know, good citizens in our community? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, and I, I think I, I would say that um, uh, first things first to be a to be a student at University of Alberta, you you are that first. You're a student athlete first, and and one of the things that I was always trying to be is I was going through my my, my journey playing uh, playing football. You wanted to be known, in my case, just Rick Walters, who happens to play football, and I think a lot of our guys are, are a similar mantra. They're going to school for the education component of it and to become better people, uh, you know, in society. They just happen to have a, a super good skill set of playing football. Um, and so they've, they they kind of live that way. So it's uh, football is in the end of their journey. It's kind of just a part of what they're doing as they, you know, as they uh, transition to adulthood. So uh, it's been fun trying to help, um, help them get along in that mm-hmm. journey and, and you try and impact on them with, with just some some words of, uh, I don't know, I will say wisdom, I guess, of experiences that you've had. Um, and it's fun to see them mature throughout. In terms of my, myself and my journey, it's, it's uh, uh, coaching is, a, is, is kind of a love for me. I, I love to see teams and, and, and individuals kind of, um, just matures throughout throughout the process, and it, it is a process. And, and to watch them, like to start to learn learn the game and understand it a little bit better, and and just move and, and continue to grow it as to what that looks like is is fantastic. I know lots of people look at the wins and losses as uh, as your end all to be all, but it, it's so much more than that. Sport teaches you so much in terms of uh, being in the real world and working with people and, and understanding roles and, and understanding what it takes to be successful at whatever you're doing. And, and sport is just a, a small microcosm of what real life turns out to be in, in the end. So it's, uh, it's awesome to be a part of that. It's, it's great to be a part of the uh, program that uh, Coach Morris, uh, uh, where he has a similar kind of values where education is first. So it's always um, school, school family first and then and, and football a distant third and um, this year we just happen to for this next few weeks we just will put football yeah. not quite as par with school but it'll be a little bit closer <laughs> might be a little higher today or tomorrow a little bit for higher sure, a little bit tomorrow yeah uh, you know you've been a friend for a long time thanks for coming on on short notice Rick my mom still has the picture you my mom and dad did after the 03 you you Ed and um, and uh, Singor Mobley came to the Boston yeah. Pizza Show remember and we did yeah, yeah. With the Great Absolutely. Cup, Singor came on and botched all the highlights. If you remember, <laughs> <laughs> so he did. He did well. You know, I'm glad that um, we're announcing that this is like my weekly, uh, my weekly audition for coming on your show. So I appreciate that uh, that I could be the first to tell all of Northern Alberta, all of Alberta, <laughs> that I'll be a weekly host now moving forward. So, oh, well, well, we're going to be looking at something here. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate your time. Thanks, bud. <laughs> 
<laughs> no worries, Kevin. Good we'll luck tomorrow, to man. Good luck tomorrow. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, that's Rick Walters, uh, Bears offensive coordinator as the Bears get ready for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies tomorrow, 5 o'clock at Foot Field, the birth and the Hardy Cup on the line. Uh, Rick Walters for In the Community, brought to you by United Sport and Cycle. When we come back at the top of the hour, Levi Weaver from The Athletic as the Texas Rangers are World Series champs for the first time ever in franchise history, plus Lindsey Raleigh, Nashville Predators rinkside reporter. We will check in with her at 1020. Before that, how about a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneering. Their next public timed automotive RV auction is now open for bidding. Just go to maauctions.com. Check out all the info at Michener Allen Auctioneering. Here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.